You're now tuned in to the Zesty Beaver Podcast, home of independent music from artists across the world and changing the way you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at TZB Podcast. Now, let the show begin. All right, welcome everybody. You're tuning to another episode of the Zesty Beaver Podcast. I'm your host, Jay. And your co-host, Michelle. On today's show, we have Paul D. Moon Jean. Paul, Yay. say what's up to the people. Hello, how are you guys doing? Good. How you doing, Moon Jean? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. You know I love that last name, right? <laughs> when I first saw it, I thought it said Mom Jean. I was like, who has the name Mom Jean? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Moomjean. It's Armenian. Okay. Oh, okay. The Armenian X. Here's the thing. It's it's spelled M O O M J E A N, but uh-huh. it's actually uh, I A N. And my great great grandfather from the old country, when he came to America, he changed it to sound more American. So it means candlestick maker in Armenian. So okay. that's what it is. Right. That's it, awesome. Yeah. But you know your yeah, history because so, I have no idea what my last name means and where it came from and who changed the spelling. So that's cool that you know that. Only thing I know about my last name. Like, oh. it's the only thing that's Armenian about me. It's just that. I know nothing else. And, you know, it kind of takes the fun out of it because you gave us a background of the last right. name. So we, we can't, it takes the fun out of it, man. <laughs> so check this out, man. Um, yeah. Definitely want to get into um, your MMA fighter, uh, your record, man. What's your record? <laughs> My MMA record? Yeah. Well, I don't really fight MMA. I know, I, I know. Guess, uh, <laughs> but I guess that means I'm undefeated. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I, I have been a wrestling coach for the last 16 years, though. So, okay. You know, I, I do know a few, of the, the few of the MMA guys over the years that are on. I've seen them wrestle over the years. Uh, uh, Mendez, people like that. I've actually like met them and coached against them and stuff like that. That's actually kind of interesting. Oh wow, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty cool. Cause um, I used to wrestle for the army, and like um, we wrestled with uh, Bobby Lashley, cause you know he was a Olympic wrestler and, and training in Colorado. You got oh, a chance wow. to meet him and stuff like that. Yeah. So okay. That's cool. You yeah. learned something new. I didn't even know that about you, Jay. Man, you my brother from another mother, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you're an English teacher by day, right? I am. I'm an English teacher by day. I uh, I've done it on and off for the last twelve years. Uh, in between, I actually work in Nickelodeon. I worked on iCarly and Zoe 101. Oh, wow. What? And, okay. Uh, what? Yeah, yeah, I was, I, 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 see, when I graduated from college, yeah. I went straight to teaching, and they paid me a whole $24,000 a year. Oh, man. And, oh, yeah, no, 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 I, I couldn't, I didn't make a dime out of teaching, so I decided to go work at Nickelodeon. Yeah. And, um, I worked on Zoe 101 and iCarly, and I was the assistant to Dan Schneider and did a whole bunch of stuff with him. And then the writer strike killed me, so um, I ended up getting into reality TV. Worked on the world's worst reality television show of all time. Was that uh, greatest American? Greatest American dog. They put the eight most boring people in the country in one room with their dogs. What? And it was the worst <laughs> show ever. I oh. think the last episode played on the internet at four o'clock in the afternoon or something. Oh my It was God. the worst. Yeah, I've never even heard of ever. that. Yeah, I would never watch no that. No one did. It, re- it was a summer show in two thousand and eight. And it replaced Survivor for the summer, and it was terrible. Hold on, the show then, replaced Survivor? What? It was like a, here's what it was. It was basically Big Brother, but people living with their dogs. And, and the thing was, they had to find nice people and nice dogs, or else the dogs would, like, kill each other, right? So right. we would sit in the room coming up with story ideas, and there was no stories because they were so boring and so bland <laughs> that nothing happened for six weeks. Wow. Nothing. The biggest, the biggest fight was one person took the last of the mustard on a hot dog thing they were doing a barbecue and then they thought about that for like five minutes and then some PA went and got more mustard and that ended the fight that was it oh my that was wow. the only thing that's so, yeah, I'm, I'm even bored hearing about it <laughs> oh it's so terrible I know I know I had to sit there for eight hours every day and then blog nothing um, wow. and then I got back into teaching a couple years after that um, so currently I am a high school English teacher right now okay hey so did I miss it? What did you do on iCarly? I know about Nickelodeon. What what exactly did you do? I was the executive producer's main assistant. I worked in the writer's room and on the production floor 
um, in the editing room. I worked with Dan Schneider personally uh, to make sure that, you know, he was always happy and to just make sure that, uh, you know, whatever needed to get done, got done from, awesome. from his end. So, well, so yeah, it was actually, a, it was more like an apprenticeship. Yeah. Where, like, you know, you follow them around. So, like, I got to learn all these really cool kind of behind-the-scenes trade secrets and, you know, how a writer's room works and how a production meetings work and how everything works. And then I was able to help him with all that. But I helped... You know, and work in the writer's room and, and help come up with story ideas and jokes and stuff. So it was a lot of fun. Cool. And it was long hours. So, really so, long hours. So, so, so the yeah. term, so the, so the phrase, Paul, go get me coffee, sounds pretty familiar. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Actually, actually, one time, uh, uh, I wasn't around one time. I was running there, and some poor kid was, was told to go get a Diet Coke, and he comes back with a regular Coke. Oh, and, and basically, that kid was like, for like an hour for not bringing the right type of soda. Wow, are these guys like really that? that much of a butt? Like exactly. That? You know what it is? You know what it is? It's just people are so stressed when they're making television that they need everything that can go perfect to be perfect. Gotcha. Okay. Right? That's, that's all it is. That makes that's sense. all it is. That makes you know? sense. So, but yeah, no, I, uh, I worked in the writer's room. It was a lot of fun. They were all really nice people. In fact, the people at Philly 101 that I worked on, they're actually now running the Big Bang Theory. Steve Malaro. Oh, okay. Right so I, I, I worked with the guy who's now in charge of the Big Bang Theory with Chuck Lorre. So like, I got to learn how to, you know, write sitcoms from the guy who's right now writing the best sitcom on TV. So it's, awesome. it, it was a pretty cool experience. Oh, yeah. That sounds so, awesome. I ain't lying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what made you get into yeah. jokes? How long you been joking, Paul? <laughs> I started in August. Really? I, August I, of 2015? Okay. <laughs> I started in August of 2015. Here's what happened. I I had gone to a comedy show in June, and I really didn't go to a lot of clubs. I watched a lot of comedy growing up, but I didn't go to a lot of clubs. And I went to a club, and, and it was out in Hollywood. It was this little kind of bar, dive bar place. And I went, hey, that guy wasn't that funny. I could be not funny. <laughs> you know, like, I could do that. Like, I, like, really, like, no one threw anything at him. So I, I spent, like, a month trying to think, what can I talk about? So I did my first open mic. It was an audition at Flappers Burbank. And I got on the stage. It was, a, it was like, a Wednesday night. It was, like, August 6th or something like that. It was around that time. And all I remember is I got on stage, and I did some jokes about my friends who don't follow the news, and I did a little thing on them, and I talked about Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy breaking up, and it got some laughs, and, um... Then you're booking me the next week at, uh, on a Friday night uh, feature. So oh, I ended up getting booked the next week, and, and then I've been getting booked about every other week since then. That oh, man, that's, awesome. that's good. That's good. So how do you yeah, come up with your material? Just your friends, your everyday life? You just talk about things that actually go on in your life? Yeah, you know, it's fun. Everything that I talk about is I got the YouTube video up right now that I feel most secure with about, you know, my material, my delivery. Um it's not that it's really, it, 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 it's based in truth. You know, yeah. you, 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 you torque it and you kind of, you do things with it. And you, you, you do, but at the end of the day, uh-huh. it's, it's kind of like, yeah, I, I know people that are kind of like the people I talk about. And I know enthusiasm, like I do that joke about the enthusiastic teacher who wants to touch their mind. <laughs> yeah. <and it's> blowing. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. And yeah. I know, hey buddy, watch out on the intellectual groping. Like, I said that to a guy one time. <laughs> and Mr. Holland's Opus, Dangerous Minds, they think, I want to be like that, right? Right, right. Here's the problem. In those movies, if you think about it, some kid always dies. Yeah. Yeah. Dead Poets Society, kid kills himself. Dangerous Minds, the kid gets shot. Mr. Holland's Opus, he inspires the kid to join the military, gets killed in the Vietnam War. (laughs) But they don't understand (laughs) it. Right? You're right. right. They all think that these movies are about a bunch of heroes. It's about a bunch of people who inspire their kids to like, stand up for stuff, and then they die. That's exactly what those movies are. It's terrible. Oh, man. It's oh, my terrible. So, so here's the thing. So, like, I meet these people, I tell them, you know, it's not like the movies. In real life, the kids, A, don't want to be there. Right. And it's like anyone else's job, right? But like, no one really, really, really wants to go to their job. So even teachers are kind of like, Ugh, do I have to go in? You know, we have some teachers who use all 10 sick days. Right. It's only 180 day year, okay? <laughs> I only work 180 days a year. I think I should be able to handle that. Most people work about 250 to 270. 
work, you know, weekends off. Right. I worked half of that. And people, you know, and that's, that's the thing that most people get about teaching, is that it's a really sweet gig if you, if you play your cards right and you realize the kids who want to learn are going to learn, and the kids who don't want to learn, it's your job to find a way to give them a seat. Yeah. <laughs> How do you get that kid a seat so that if you, you don't get a parent email... If you ever get called to the office, you don't see him again next year. That's right. But because well, that's the other thing. I told a kid one time. I said, "You do realize if you fail this class, I'm the only one who teaches it. You're gonna have to take me again." Oh, that kid got working. Right. That kid got working. He didn't want to deal with me, uh, you know, telling him that he was wrong all year. So he just got it right, got a seat, moved on. Exactly. Exactly. I got. But I've been teaching now for about ten years, and it took me the first two or three to realize what's really kind of going on. Yeah. You know, with the kids and going, hey, they don't want to be here. Right. It's my job. Like, I love my job mm-hmm. the way most people love their job. But it doesn't mean I always want to be there all the time. <laughs> So, Paul, check this out. With everything you just said right there, with everything that's in the news right now, also with the resource officer in South Carolina, what's your views on that situation? Oh, well, okay. So, so I teach at a private school. So, the worst thing that a kid will ever do in my class is, like, talk to his neighbor. <laughs> so you're living the real life of that dog um <laughs> the dog reality show you were just telling us about nothing yeah. happens oh, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's so boring it's like hey stop talking nah, never mind I mean, now, now here's the thing with that with that police officer who's dragging the kid out right i mean i'm sorry but like i understand the kid but but when you're the adult Right. On some level, you still have to be the adult. Right, right. Right? Like, yeah. on some level, like, I get it. This person punched the cop. This person did this, this, this. And I get that there's rude students in the world. But here's something I'll say. Okay. I've dealt with a few rude students when I coached wrestling, mm-hmm. like when I was coaching. And I dealt with some pretty rude kids in the public school system. Uh-huh. But I'll tell you if, you, if you respect them, they respect you. Right. You got a point, So at yeah. the end of the day, right? So at the end of the day, if that kid won't give up their phone, won't give up what they're supposed to do, the teacher lost that battle. Most kids crave some type of authority. They really do. Most kids like being told what to do because they don't know what to do. Okay. So if you, okay. tell that a kid that, if you tell a kid that's wrong, don't do it again. I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to train you to not have this become a problem later on. Most kids respect that. You're right. Most yeah. kids respect that, right? Like, when your parents explain to you why they punished you, you weren't as mad when it was that stupid line they give you, well, I'm your parent, so... Right. <laughs> I'm the mom, right? and I told you so. <laughs> yeah, as long as you live under my house, you know, it's like, really? Exactly. That's not a reason to beat me, Dad. Well, hold on, wait a minute. I use it all the time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's because your mama did for you. So Growing Paul, up in the 80s, you know, there was always that good beating time. But, like, at some point... <laughs> Like your dad would explain to you, like you you broke a lamp, so that's going to be a beating. You and, go in the room and they swatch it a couple times, and it was done, right? Right. But right. they explained it to you, so you weren't angry and confused. <laughs> Most kids are angry and confused because their parents punish them and never tell them why. You know what, hey Paul, you're making me feel like a bad parent, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you are, Jay. Whatever. <laughs> nah, but um, I, I like what you're saying, but like. Also, I got a rebuttal to that. You know, I grew up as a cla- oh, yeah. I, I grew up as as a class clown, and I gave teachers pure D hell. <laughs> I mean, I had teachers that like quit and walked out. That's stop. How, that, that's how bad. And I wasn't like a rude kid. I would just joke and get the whole class involved. You saying that because you're in a private school and you you know you got like oh, no, you know, I got it good. Yeah, you got it good. Got yeah. It good. But I will say this: when I was a, when I was coaching sports and dealing with public school kids too, here's what I will say. The teacher has to command the room, right? Right. The teacher has to command the room. So the teacher doesn't have to be the funniest person, but they better be the most interesting person. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You're right, you're and right. When you're sitting, right? When you're sitting in the classroom and you feel like it's your turn to take over the classroom, that's because the teacher never took control of it. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. That yeah, makes she, sense. Yeah, she, right? never, she never yeah, did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she never did. You know there was that one teacher that you just wouldn't joke with. I had. you knew at any point that yeah, you'd go crazy. It was about three of them that I didn't <laughs> joke with. <laughs> but when I got out of that class, the next teacher, she felt it though. <laughs> oh. And you talk about your height too. You say that you're a short man. We got a short man in the house too. Joy! Hey, we, 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 are, we are a band of brothers. All right? <laughs> Together we are six feet. <laughs> 
<laughs> How tall are you, Paul? That. I'm I'm five six. I tell people I'm five eight to make them feel better. <laughs> because people look at you like you're dying of a disease if you're under five eight in Southern California. Really? Oh, really? So, oh, well you gotta understand okay. I live in Southern California. Mm-hmm. I am two hundred and twenty five, two hundred and thirty pounds of when I eat too many crackers. Because <laughs> I get bloated. I just get bloated. Right? So I'm five six. And everybody's so tall. So I look way shorter. When I went to Arizona, everybody was like my height. And then when I went then when I went to like the Midwest one time, mm-hmm. like, man, there's not a it's not a bunch of giant, beautiful people. So I can joke about my height in Southern California because I'm literally the shortest person in Everywhere I go, it's five wow. six for a guy. Well, Paul, I appreciate it. I'm never coming to California. That's what I was about to My say. My hope is to come to California. <laughs> <It's and> Jay, <laughs> I'm not coming to be the shortest. <laughs> <laughs> so invite okay. Jay out to meet you. <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing. I had a friend tell me one time. She goes, Paul, you know, if you if you moved to Nebraska, you you would move from a four to about an eight on the beautiful scale. Oh you know, man. Wow. And I've been to Nebraska. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh my it's, just, it's just Southern California is such a shallow place. Yeah. yeah. That, oh, man. That, that I can make fun of, of being normal. And that's ugly. <laughs> that is crazy. So I'm, I'm normal, and that's abnormal in Southern California. I live in a nice suburban area where every single mom has had some type of catch-up work. You know, the husbands pay for it. I live in a community which... Every kid is playing sports or plays the guitar or does something really cool. And I'm just... So how did you get there? Do you feel comfortable? (laughs) Wow, yeah. You know what? It's why you... You you know, it's your environment. Yeah. You get used to living in your environment. Uh And and also, it creates who you are. So humor becomes my, my defense mechanism for realizing when I walk into a bar... We're walking into somewhere where I look around and I go, yeah, no one's, no one's going home with me tonight. Like, just, <laughs> that, just not that, right? You just look around and you're like, no, no there's no one here to give me their number. Oh, I'm going to have to wait until the last call at 2 a.m. And, and, and then I'll just feel, like, really bad if I got her number. She's no longer herself anymore. Like, so. <laughs> so, so you're single then, huh? Oh, okay. Hey, Paul, you come to, you come to Virginia, man. I got you, man. <laughs> You'll be a superstar here. I got you. I got relatives in Virginia. We can make that happen. You got what in Virginia? I have relatives that live in Virginia. Oh. And I only know that because they're cousins I've never met. We call them the Virginia cousins. And my grandma talks to them. And my grandma will tell me about all these Virginia cousins that I've never met in great detail. So, oh my like, gosh. oh, I know when they're getting married, when they got divorced, but I've never met them. Come to Virginia, come to because we have the Richmond Funny Bone. We're kind of in the Richmond area of Virginia, and we would love to try to get you on at the Funny Bone. Everybody comes to the Funny Bone. Okay. Yeah. I could probably try to make something like that work, maybe like during my spring break or something. Oh, man, that that would be amazing. That would be perfect. That would be. Oh, my gosh. I could finally... I can finally meet my cousins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your Virginia cousins. Yeah, and do a show out here. See how you are out here. Because you would look normal. You you wouldn't be... <laughs> you, you wouldn't be a hobbit here. Paul, you'd be like me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, see, here's the thing. I know that in Southern California how I look because no one has ever corrected me when I say things like, you know, I'm like a four or a five, you know, on the on the beautiful scale. And oh. no one has ever said, wow. oh, come on, Paul, you're at least a seven. These no one wow. Ever man, they are, they are harsh out there, man. They I are. am not coming to California. No, I'm not either. <laughs> we were talking about going to California, too, remember? Stretch. Yeah. It's not better. But, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where I can make fun of being short, I can make fun of my weight, I can make fun of those things. And it's fun, and people, you know, it's one of those things, too, where people look and they're kind of like, I hope he makes fun of his height. Wow! Wow! So you just started doing stand up in August of this year, and why? Just because you went to a show and he wasn't that funny, you think you could do better than him? Okay. Well, uh, long story short, here's the deal. When I was a kid, my parents got divorced uh, oh. in like third, third or fourth grade. Right, third grade by fourth grade, it was kind of finalized. Right. Here's the thing. I was so isolated 
from my parents for like about six months because they were dealing with all this stuff that I would walk down to the video store that was around the corner and I'd read movie, movies and stuff. Well, I started reading comedy albums and I got Richard Pryor live. Oh, okay. Richard Pryor was my introduction to comedy. What? <laughs> okay, no, really. This little fat white white kid is watching Richard Pryor and he speaks to my soul. He's angry and I'm angry. And he starts talking. He did that joke. When he does that joke where he talks about guess who I am when he likes the match on fire, you know? Yeah. And he starts, you know, yeah, and I just cracked up. Well, I didn't know why it was funny. But I just I thought that was really funny. Like, yeah, I get it. He's on fire. Okay. So I just started looking and I just found the rhythm of it, right? So I went to the store and I bought a bunch of cassette tapes. I realized I couldn't watch the videos. My mom would get mad, so I got the cassette tapes from my little Walkman. Yeah. Well, I what ended up happening was I go on a trip. My parents are, are divorced. I go on a trip with my dad and my new stepmom, and I fall asleep, and they take the, the cassette tapes out of my little bag, and they start playing them. I wake up, and Richard Pryor is talking about stuff that your parents don't want you listening to. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking, and he's, and he's using words that no person should ever say. <laughs> and so they take it away from me, so now I get obsessed with it. Oh, I started getting Carlin, Van Hennison, uh, um, I started listening to all these different comics, and one day I found the Bill Cosby himself thing. He does that dentist routine, and I like couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. Then I started doing this stuff at school, oh. and I realized, and I realized that's the story of all standard comedians, right? They all did the routines at school, and they all got in trouble for it, right? Yeah, it is. So, yeah, that's pretty so, much the story, right? So I started doing all that, and and I found out that I could I could tell a joke. Well, in high school, I wanted to like have a girlfriend, so I joined the wrestling team. <laughs> and, okay. and, and so that took all my weekends uh, uh, so I never really got back into the comedy and I would watch some stuff Albert Brooks different people but in college instead of doing the comedy thing mm-hmm. I was doing the coaching thing so so I got into wrestling that, that sucked up all my t- my, uh, my 20s so I'm 34 right now today's my birthday I'm 34 today oh happy and birthday so, so I wanted to do this before I turned 34 so that's why I said, okay, before school starts, I'm going to finally cross this off the bucket list. I'm going to go do a comedy routine. And I'm, I'm expecting it to go horrifically wrong, right? Like, I'm just thinking, I think it's funny, but it's going to come out weird and whatever. <laughs> but they liked it. And so I ended up taking a class uh, two weeks later at the Flappers Burbank Club. They gave me a discount rate because they really liked me. Yeah. And uh, I got about 100 bucks off. And then they, they, they put me through the six-week course, and the guy who does it used to be the booking manager for a bunch of big comics about five, six years ago, and now he's running the club. And he's like, look, we just got to, you know, reframe a few things, but you're there, man. I'm like, you're getting this. You're understanding it. So now they're booking me. I, I'm also probably, for them right now, I'm one of the, the newer comedians bringing people in, because everybody in Simi Valley where I know, they're all coming over to Burbank. It's a 20-minute drive. Everyone in L.A. is there because from somewhere else. Right. Right? Everybody in L.A. is from Atlanta. Everyone from L.A. is from somewhere else. All these comics have no friends. I'm able to bring 10, 20, 30 people to my shows. Oh, that's they good. they all live. Yeah. Oh, so I'm getting huge audiences. And they're like, mm. why do you have... I had 65 people go to my last show. Awesome. In, in, a, in, a, room, in a room that fits 200. That's good. So they're like, how did you do this? I said, these are all my friends and family members and coworkers. <laughs> Get your cousins like, from like Virginia to come. <laughs> like, so so I, I brought in a bunch of ringers, and they're like, this is great. You know, so it's been really fun the last three months. I did do, okay, so after I did the first set I ever did back in August, yeah. that, I was on such a rush. I went to a, an open mic at, at uh, Universal City Walk, yes. and I got heckled by a drunk woman. <gasps> Oh, you got heckled by a drunk woman? She was probably 30 years old, and I started up and I go, you know, it's really hard to be single. And she goes, I thought you were married. <laughs> I thought you were married. Wow. And then he married, and she starts yelling. And then I, I didn't know what to do. <gasps> so I, it's my first time. Like, I'm like, like, if this was class, I would have sent her outside. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that resource right? officer? Like, <laughs> I'm like looking around like, where the heck is the vice principal? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it. Oh, so I just yeah. keep telling the joke, and she keeps screaming and yelling, 
And then I get off the stage, it was a disaster, and then she left. What? And I swear to you, I'm convinced the devil sent this woman just to torment her. <laughs> <laughs> this was like the devil's way said, we can't have your stand-up comedy talk, you might be happy. <laughs> so... Oh my gosh, so you just kept trying to go. She was talking, so nobody ever told her to shut up anything? Let me, let me ask you a question. Do you ever tell a drunk person, you tell a drunk person to shut up, you don't know if they have a night. You're right, but you knowing know me, I would be like, damn, shh, be quiet. You uh, know, I would... Most of my experiences with drunk people, whenever I've argued back, didn't end well. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just said, you know what, like, like it's kind of like when you drive your drunk friends around and you realize, like, you're not getting home right away. You're going to have to make 12 stops because they're going to, because if you don't, they'll jump out of the car. Right? So, like, I yeah. work with drunk people, right? Uh-huh. Like, like, how many times have you ever been the designated driver and you had to make five different fast food stops because there's five different people in the yeah, car? Yeah, I've been there. I've right? been so there. I don't want Taco Bell. I want McDonald's. And you're like, well... Oh man, but like that could have been your like Richard Pryor moment right there. You could have like just zoned in on her and made your whole set about her after exactly. that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of other stuff that I'm trying to like kind of incorporate that's recently happened with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? Because you know, it's probably uh, going to happen again. You never know. So you need to be prepared. There are hecklers out there. I know. I've already come up with a couple of lines. You know, here's the thing though, and I'm sure you saw with Ricky. You know, I, I, I am a, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I, and I try to keep things clean because. I really don't want God to smoke me on stage. Right. <laughs> so, like, that would be horrible. Like, I'm just, like, if I did an F-bomb, I'm just terrified lightning from heaven would come down at this fall. So, I, wow. I can't, so I can't do that. Right? I can't do that. So, so the thing is, is, like, my buddy at work, who's the music teacher, he used to be Jerry Seinfeld's booking agent. What? Okay. I know. <laughs> what are you? How are you living this life? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But but it's really weird. He tells me one day. He goes, Oh yeah, I used to book uh, Larry Miller, Omar, and, and and Jerry Seinfeld. It's Jeff Patterson. He goes. His wife was a comic. He got a job at an agency. So like his job was to like negotiate the contract. You know, he didn't work with them individually a lot. He'd send emails and say, You need to be in you know Kansas next week. But the thing is, is that he told me he goes. When he goes, Paul, this is the cleanest heckler thing I've ever heard. He goes, you look right at the woman and you say, Mom, I told you you could come, but you have to, you know, be All right, that would definitely get him. Oh, my gosh. Why did you do that? Because he told me after. He told me after. I went oh. to him on Monday morning. I hunt him down. I keep in the middle of band practice with the kids. And I go, Jeff, we have to talk. And I pull him outside. <laughs> and I go, a drunk woman heckled me. And I put fear in the headlights. He goes, all you do is you say, Mom, I told you, you could come, but you have to behave yourself. <laughs> and that was it. He goes, most, he goes, Larry Miller did that a few times. It's okay to steal that one. It's okay. I said, okay, good, good. So I have a few of those. You know, I want to be nice. Right. Then, I know my luck. If I try to do some type of horrible, you know, genital joke or something like that, you know what's going to happen? Ooh. That boyfriend's going to stand up and beat the crap out of me in front of everyone. <laughs> I don't think that would happen. Like a comedian, no, nobody's gonna touch a comedian because they know a comedian. That's what they do. They're not, yeah, they're they gonna joke. Yeah, yeah. Like, especially on, on this co- on this side of- on the East Coast. Man. I don't know about over there where you are. Maybe you should come over here with all the real looking people. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, like. Nobody messes with a comedian over here. Exactly. They don't too scared. Okay. Like, you would get joked out. <laughs> well, just just keep in mind that, it, that in L.A., everybody's a wannabe comedian, too. So, like, people deal all day with sarcasm. Really? People deal with it. So, oh, L.A.'s really sarcastic. And also, like, like, you go to, like, I don't, all right, when you guys have an open mic in your area, do you know how many people usually show up to do an open mic? Uh, that's probably, like, seven or eight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, okay, okay. At Flappers Burbank, which is only a five-year-old club, yeah. if you go to an 11.30 at night, 11.30 at night on a Friday, right. if you go to 11.30 night on a Friday, there's at least 50 comics waiting for a lottery, and they're only going to take maybe 25. Oh, my. Are you kidding? Yeah, dude. No, and so people are stupid. 
starving to literally to get up on stage. And well, and, and there's lots of reasons why. I mean, first off, you know, people watch Louis C.K. or Louis Black, and they go, "Hey, I'm angry." Right. I could yell. Right? But it's like, but they're not just yelling. They're telling real jokes. They're, it's a real point of view. There's a real attitude. Right. And so a lot of times with comics, they think, "Well, I can go do that," and, and then they think the punchline's the F word, which it never is with Louis C.K. The punchline's the punchline. The F word is just the adjective. Right. Right. It's, it's just it's just using that to show his anger. But that's not the joke. Well, so you get a lot of comics that are up there. So, so there's, LA is filled with wannabe actors and wannabe comedians, wannabe writers. So I think, I think people in LA, like the reason they feel so comfortable heckling and doing that is because that these are the people they work with. They're used to dealing with all these types of people all the time. So they, they're comfortable too. They feel like they could go, they feel like they could fight the comics one-on-one. Right. Well, where did you grow yeah. up? What part of the world did you grow up in? I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, with, you know, Los Angeles County, for the first 12 years. Uh, and then my parents, uh, well, they were divorced, and my mom decided we couldn't afford... I went to a little private school in um, the state of California. My mom said, we can't send you to private school anymore. It's too expensive. we got to find a suburban area that's safe. So they moved me to Simi Valley, California, and I've been trapped here ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on! You gotta go meet your Virginia cousins and come to the Richmond Funny Bone. Maybe you'll like it I, over here with all the normal people. Yes, no, I, I think that they would enjoy, you know, uh, hearing about it. My, my, like I said, it, it's one of those things with like living in the LA area. Like growing up in the San Fernando Valley, I heard gunshots going to sleep. I never had a neighbor that didn't have a fight. It's very loud. Like, like, I learned what the F word was because my neighbor kept calling his girlfriend. Oh. And, you know, you're, you're like, I'm like, I'm like eight, and I go to my mom, and I go, "What does this word mean?" And she slaps me, and then tells me, and then I go to bed. Um, but, but that's the thing. It's like it was crazy. So she's like, "We got to get you out of here." And so we moved to the most suburban area in the world. But it was so white and so suburban. It was also like the Ventura County, L.A. area, capital for white supremacy. Wow. That yeah. was, right, so I showed to seventh grade, and like one-third of the boys all had shaved white heads. Wow. Hmm. And I was, now, I, I'm going to see it in Valley, very multicultural, you know, I'm familiar with all different types of ethnic groups, religious groups, everything. I showed up to see Valley. I remember going back to school after seventh grade, first day. And my mom goes, did you make any friends? And I go, no, they're crazy. <laughs> wow. They are absolutely crazy. They've shaved all their heads. <laughs> and they're all talking about some Aryan race. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was so terrifying. And, and, and I got invited to like some party one time in seventh grade. I still remember, I go to this thing, and there's this giant bonfire, and it's all these tattooed, White supre- I went to a white supremacist party. I had no idea. Wow. That was great. Wow. Right? They're, they're handing me a beer. I'm like, this is a- I called my mom from the house. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, terrified. I'm like, mom, we're in the book of Revelation right now. I'm going to tell you right now. We are in the book of Revelation. People, it is dark and it's fire and there's fear and women running around. And they are, they are saying things that you told me I can never say. laughing at work every day you have to uh, the student, yeah most of the time the students appreciate well here's, here's the thing students that are in my honors classes yeah appreciate my humor much more than the students in my non-honors classes wow, that's, really? that's backwards and, and i tell them this i go by the way i always tell the non-honors students i go this killed with the ap students like you should be <laughs> laughing because this is really fun. well because humor has to have a frame of reference yeah Right? Yeah. So, so honors kids are more well aware of the world. 
because they want to get into colleges and they want to know what's going on. They got to write those college essays. They got to fill those applications. And their parents usually sit at the dinner table with them and talk to them about the day and the different things. They're all familiar with what's going on. So if I make a joke about politics or religion, they get it. Right. But the non-honors kids are kind of like, I just had to know enough to get a fee. Like I only paid attention seventy five percent of the time, literally. So, <laughs> so I don't know what the other twenty five percent was. So, so the thing is, like when I tell a joke, sometimes I've had classes where I'll go. Nine, we have ninety minute block schedules. I'll go ninety minutes, and it's just crickets. Really? Literally, no one's smiling. No one's laughing. They look confused. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll literally, I'll be done, and I'll text my coworker. And I'll go. I just confused. 30 kids for 90 minutes. <laughs> Just 90 minutes of pure, utter confusion. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right? So, but for the most part, I'm known as one of the funnier teachers. I usually emcee all of the senior, like, talent shows and events, and they love it because I'll usually do a roast of the seniors. Okay, I, I, I can, I can <laughs> so see you I'll doing that. Yeah. All I can... the seniors. Yeah. <laughs> except, for, yeah right, except for the one kid who I know, the parent won't be very happy with that, but everyone gets roasted. <laughs> That it's sounds like fun. fun. I know that, that really sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should fly out there and go to your job <laughs> so we can see you roasting the kids. That'd, that'd be, be fun. Funny. Yeah, that'd be yeah, really fun. One, one year I'm going to film it. One you year should. One you year should. Gonna, yeah. Put it on YouTube. Yeah, it, it, yeah it, it's really cool. You know, it's one of the things, though, as a teacher, I always have to be careful uh-huh. because parents Google my name. They, why? Right? Parents will Google my name because they want to know who in the they don't want to meet me at a, at a, at a you know back to school night. That that would be giving up a Thursday. So what they do is is they'll Google my name to see who I am. So so the comedy routines and the different things that I write and stuff, I always have to be a little careful because I, the last thing I want is some parent emailing me going, uh, "You just made fun of Billy for five minutes." Like I you know, wow. I can't do right. So like I kind of have to watch that. Yeah. But for the most part, most part, I feel pretty free to do what I want to do. Yeah, and I think you should. As long as you're not calling out any names, if they feel guilty, then that is them, right? Yeah, I had someone call me in one time to a room, and they're like, I heard you're making fun of me, and I didn't say anyone by name. And I said, really? You think that that's you? You really think you're a bad person? And they're like, well, no. I said, then I guess we have no conversation, do we? Exactly. Right? So like, <laughs> right? Like, like, like if, if you think I'm making fun of you, like, what makes you think that? Are you really doing what I... Well, if you are, stop. <laughs> <laughs> because I just called you out. You. <laughs> right? Like, how dare you call me out on this? Exactly. Like, Nobody knows that. You put it out there. <laughs> hey, so what month is you all spring break? Uh, it should be in either March or April. It's okay. going to be... It's, I think it's the last weekend of... It's the last week of March, usually. Okay, we, so we you would be willing yeah. to fly out to Richmond, Virginia to come do okay. a show at the Funny Bone. You are willing to do that? I am totally willing to do that, yes. Do you, hey, know, do you know what part of um, Virginia your family's in? I would have to. I, that I don't remember off the top of my head, but Richmond sounds familiar, so of course it does seem like a, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I've, I've heard of most cities state, you know, so right. I've, I've heard of Richmond, Virginia, um, but but my grandma would know, like, I, yeah, ask I your grandma, you yeah, yeah, I'm gonna ask my grandma and let her know, and so, she'll, she'll tell me where, where, where the family is, yeah, hopefully so can, they're close, you know, stay out there, yeah, hopefully they're close, yeah, no, that, that would be a lot of fun, and it also be fun to get a, a different type of audience, too, exactly, you know, because I'm, I'm getting this, you know, I have a great audience, like, perform at Flappers, or I go to, like, Nerdist, or other places where I've been able to perform, No, exactly. Because here you kill at the show. After the show, you have so many numbers after the show, man. You know, when you do that after the show, I'll be like, I'll be like your representative. I'm like, hey, look, <laughs> give me the number, and I'll give it to him. <laughs> and, we, and we sit together in this, man. We sit together in this. I got you. <laughs> together, we are ten feet tall. <laughs> Dang, y'all jump, y'all. We're just six feet. We ten. We ten now. We are ten. <laughs> Oh my god, I think that would be so fun. And of course, Jay and I would be there. 
cheering you on. I would love to see you in person and, you know, hear new material that you have. And I will handle all the hecklers. <laughs> Somebody heckle you, I'm, tackling, I'm tackling them. I got it. Well, well, now that I have my heckler line, yeah. I feel better. Oh, yeah, okay. Just know you got me in the reserve. You, know, so you need it. <laughs> so fun talking to you Paul Dean Moon yeah thank you so much for having me on this was was so much fun man and like you know as soon as I as soon as I typed in Instagram and um I typed in comedian and I I seen a whole bunch of comedians and I I watched your uh, YouTube channel I was like man I hope he replies back to the message and you did and I was like what (laughs) so I was you know I told Michelle about it and she was like let's do it so exactly and we're gonna play your clip after we get through talking we're gonna play the clip afterwards so the people can hear and um, do you have any uh, websites or Instagram any Anything that people yes. can follow you so they can see, you know, yes. when you do finally come to Virginia or anything? Yes. Okay, so if people want to, they can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Moon Jean. That's M-R-M-O-O-M-J-E-A-N. Okay. I also have a website that I just started this week. It's yes. The Moon Abides. T-H-E-M-O-O-M-A. B-I-D-E-S, the Moom Abides, which is a allusion to the dude abides from the Big Lebowski. Okay, oh, okay, all right, all okay, right. okay. Yeah, I, I, I kind of started doing that hashtag um, about three years ago on my Instagram stuff, and the kids love it, and, and the kids always ask me what it's about, and it's like one of my favorite movies, the Big Lebowski, and so I kind of just said, well, the Moom Abides, instead of the dude abides. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and then also, so, so I have the website, themoomabides.com, I have the Instagram handle, uh, the Moomba Vibes, and I have Mr. Moomjean for the uh, Twitter account. Awesome. Right. Man, this was definitely yeah. amazing. And you, you, man, you're funny as hell. I know yeah. you can't say hell, but I say hell for you. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to be smoked. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's what, but, you, but you can't leave until we sing happy birthday to you. Yay! Okay. Are you ready? <coughs> we got a PR rep and an <laughs> assistant in here, so everybody's gonna sing it together, all right? Okay, y'all ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. One. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to sing. Okay, 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 okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Paul D. your birthday on the phone with a whole bunch of strangers. Yeah, so um, what do you have planned for tonight? Uh, tonight, I'm going to meet a few friends. Uh, some, of the, some of my friends are moving to a new apartment, so we're waiting about 7 o'clock. Might be going out to Six Flags for the Bright Fest. Might just be going out to just do dinner and a movie or something, but that's that. And uh, tomorrow night, um, I'm going to be supporting the club at Flappers for Halloween. They do a dead comedians night where people pretend to do uh, comedians who passed away and Oh, that, that, really oh, that sounds so Pryor. fun. Richard <laughs> you Pryor. should go yeah. do Richard Pryor. Yeah, it is. I know. I know. I missed the audition time because I had parent teacher conferences oh. on the night of the audition, and it was like. Uh, next but they, year. they but, love uh, you. They love you. So just dress up as him and go. Paul. Yeah. yeah no. No. That, that'll go well in LA when a little white guy shows up. <laughs> 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 but Paul, on our on our second show, Michelle brought up um uh the thing, the six steps of what is it called again? Oh, um, dang! If you didn't say it, I would know. But like um, all the people that you, all the people that you know, I'm pretty sure you can call somebody to get in there. You know, say, hey, look, this is Paul. I need to get in on that on that thing on Halloween. Yeah. Exactly, especially since they they love you there. Do it. Yeah, do it. The clubs are really supportive. I, I could I could probably email and see the second show. They might have they might have room, but uh, I, I might email the guys at the booker that I know there and see if they need anybody to help. Exactly. But, uh, I think you should do, it. and yeah. then get somebody to record it and put it on your channel, your YouTube channel, so we can see it. Yeah, man. I, I, yeah, it's, so, so. It sucks that we are all the way on the other side of the world and we can't be right there to support you, man. We would definitely support you every weekend. We'll be right there. Exactly. 
Oh, we won't heckle you. I, I got the hecklers for you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you're an interesting man. Even just your background story, working with Nickelodeon and all of this type of stuff. I mean, it's it's nice. We definitely see we definitely some stardom for you uh, down the road, man. I think when I heard you stand up, I had I told Michelle like, we got to get this guy on the show. (laughs) I'm enjoying it, so I started the website. I got my Twitter page going. I got everything going, and it's like. If I want to be successful, this I have to be aware twenty four seven of anybody who wants an opportunity to do anything like this. Right. Right. So, right, because that's the problem. A lot of people just have the dream; they don't want to work for it. They don't want to put in the time. They don't want to sacrifice an hour. You're right. You're right. You're preaching to the choir right here, brother. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, no, no, this was great. I love this. Anytime you guys ever want to have me on again, just you know, send me an email, and we're good to go. Definitely, like, so awesome. Let me remember, like we talked about it in the email. Anytime you got a, uh, a stand up a gig, send me the YouTube link. We'll drop it in on the show, and yeah. and we'll send you, we'll send you the link with your drop on the show. Terrific! You guys are great. Thank you so much. Thank right, you Thank and you. happy birthday again. Have a great great Thank weekend. You. Just remember, man, you and I together ten feet. So go out tonight <laughs> looking ten feet tall tonight. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks All right, well, for, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Right, thank you for rocking with the Zesty Beaver podcast. Yes. Hello. Don't worry. Your vision is fine. I really am this short. But don't worry. I got over that about two years from now. Being short is a little embarrassing. I have to get on my tippy toes a lot to reach for things. Sometimes I feel like I'm putting on a one-person ballet of Swan Lake. I could just... Reach that right there and just... And everything's usually fine until I bump into something. And then Swan Lake becomes the Nutcracker. I gotta say, as a short person, I'm a little frustrated how those Lord of the Ring movies turned out. Really thought that they would make being short more attractive. All they did was make Orlando Bloom more attractive. He didn't need that. He was doing fine on his own. Ladies, take some advice. Go with us hobbits. We have all the rings. <laughs> During the day, I'm a high school English teacher. Been doing it for 10 years now. I gotta admit, though, my job is a little annoying. Surrounded all day by a bunch of self righteous, know it all complainers. And then there's the students. <laughs> oh, look, I love most of my coworkers, but some of them are really annoying. Like, the really enthusiastic teacher. You remember that one, the one who takes it a little too far? You know, like, all I want to do is just reach out and touch their minds in such a way to get their creative juices flowing. Okay, buddy, let's back up on that intellectual groping, okay? There is no touching of anything ever, and especially no flowing of juices. You don't touch that either. I work at a Christian school. I am a Christian. I know for some people that's weird. It's weird for me. I believe in a God I've never seen. If someone came to me, they were like, hi, I believe aliens. I'd be like, that's ridiculous. Now, if you excuse me, I have to go to church, talk to my invisible friend. He came from another world to save me because a naked man had a fruit salad. faith, buddy. means believing in something on paper that makes no sense at all. In America, we call that being a Raiders fan. <laughs> being a Christian, of course, means I hate everything that Jesus hated. Injustice, hypocrisy, Obamacare. Because <laughs> if there's one thing Jesus hated, it was healing people for free. Are you? Blind guy, get a job. Then I'll heal you. Hashtag, what would Jesus do? (laughs) By the way, as a Christian, can I tell you how annoying that is, the what would Jesus do movement? The idea that I'm supposed to live my life the way Jesus would today? First off, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. Consider his frame of reference. Jesus would be casting out demons from iPhones. Depart Snapchat spirit. Then waiting for the battery to go out and then walking away going, yes, thank you, thank you, praise me. (laughs) 
People want me to be like Jesus. That's what they say. Paul, be like Jesus. Be more like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Be like Jesus. Jesus walked on water. I wear floaties in the pool. <laughs> Jesus fed 5,000 people with fish and bread. I can't make toast. <laughs> Women are always saying in my church, oh, if I could just find a guy like Jesus, I want to be with someone like Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Really? Let's talk about that look. 30, single, virgin, beard. Trust me, nobody's into that. <laughs> Sorry. Amen. We need to be fathers the way Jesus would be a father. Okay, that's ridiculous. First off, Jesus wasn't a father. He didn't have any kids. And if he did, what would he do? Try to make him into his own image. Be a disaster. Takes the kid out one day. Comes back. Wife looks at him. Jesus, where is our son? Okay, funny story. So I took him to the ocean. Turns out he can't walk on water. But don't worry, he's with Grandpa now. What would Jesus do? Thank you very much. This show is sponsored by Zip Steel Co. Jewelry is a way for everyone to express who they are to the world. I want to tell you about Zip Steel. Zip Steel is jewelry that's unique, bold, and edgy. Their design style is modern and like nothing you've ever seen before. Working in stainless steel, Zip Steel creates cool designs and rocking pieces that you are going to want to wear. And everyone's going to ask you where you got it. Check out their work. They're all handcrafted, handmade, and distinctive. They're for both men and women. Each piece is special. You got to check it out. Visit their Etsy store at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash zipsteelco. That's Z-I-P-S-T-E-E-L-C-O. You can also look for them on Twitter and Instagram at zipsteelco. This jewelry is affordable. The quality is amazing. Get your piece today. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, The Zesty Beaver, and follow us on social media at TZB Podcast. To advertise your business or have your song played on the podcast, email tzbpodcast at gmail.com.